Hello and welcome to Well-Balanced Life with Grace and Mel. I'm Melanie and today's topic is all about communication. Uh, Gracie, she's going to sit this one out um, because it was just too hard for her to communicate her thoughts and knowledge on the subject, um, especially lately, which I'll talk more about in a bit. Uh, So to give you an idea of what will be shared today, I'm going to talk about how communication or lack thereof can contribute to meltdowns. Um, I'll talk about the different types of communication, what's worked for us and other kids that I've worked with, uh, and what you can do to help your child excel in this area. So please keep listening and share with anyone you think might benefit. Communication can happen in so many different ways. So this isn't just about speech, although we will talk about that. But if your child can learn to communicate in whatever form works best for them, and for you guys to, um, you know, even support that relationship among the two of you, uh, it just, it can open so many doors to an incredible life. So stay with me. So communication and meltdowns, this is a biggie. Um, can you imagine a world where you cannot get your wishes or your needs across to anyone, no matter how hard you try? This is quite common for our kids. And we feel the frustration on our end as well. So it's really no different than an infant crying because they're hungry, they need affection, or their diaper changed, right? The words aren't there, but whew, can they communicate? Um, sometimes it's easy to figure it out, and sometimes it's not. And when it isn't, what happens? They go from crying to screaming, and it can last a very long time until you can figure it out. I remember when Emma was younger, it was the teething. For some reason, I never figured that one out. So there were a lot of tears happening then. So I've said this before, but I feel like it's important to share again that anytime there are meltdowns happening or symptoms are to the extreme, it's a form of communication. And that's the one thing that we need to remember. And I'm not saying that um, we need to give in because, you know, that can just... um, that can increase what we don't want to see. And I'm not saying that it gives, like I've said in a podcast before, it's not a free ticket to just say things that aren't kind um, to other people and whatnot. But we do need to recognize that it is a form of communication. The screaming, the crying, the throwing, the hitting, the kicking, the banging, um, it's all a form of communication. And I can't imagine a single person who screams and kicks and throws and bites or whatever else that they might do. um, I can't imagine that they actually want to be doing that. It's exhausting physically, emotionally, mentally for all parties involved. So sometimes when we change our mindset a little bit, that can help. And I have mentioned this before, if you haven't heard. um, When I see Gracie as a younger child, like where she is developmentally, how she's acting... So if I look at her as a three-year-old having a meltdown, that helps to calm me a little bit Um, because it is hard when you can see a 19, 20-year-old in the body of a 19, 20-year-old having a meltdown that a three-year-old might have. So sometimes when I put myself in her shoes as that three-year-old, I see her younger self, that's been extremely helpful. When our kids or adults are having these meltdowns, they're distraught. Like it's, it's really, really hard for them. Um, 
And usually it's because we don't understand what it is that they want or we've we refused to give them something. They're trying to tell you something and we don't understand. Um, it could be trying to avoid things like we've mentioned in the past as well. So lots of reasons why the screaming and stuff happens, but they are communicating to you what it is that they want or don't want. And sometimes they're just very overwhelmed, especially if they've been at daycare all day or they've been at school all day and they've had to, you know, kind of change who they are or confine those feelings and, you know, stimming behaviors that they might have. They're, they're trying to fit into this world that doesn't necessarily open up to allow them to be their true selves. So that in itself is exhausting and often we will see kids who may be doing well at school or daycare and when they get home, that's where they explode, where they feel safe. So my first suggestion, I think it was the same one that I had with um, in the other Meltdowns podcast, was to take some data collection. So I will also post in our um, podcast page, the webpage, I'll post a link to some data collection sheets again. Um, it's actually in, if you haven't listened to episode four, uh, titled Meltdowns, um, a follow-up episode, if you head over there and have a listen first, you can get a little bit more information on the data collection, and there are links to that as well. So, number one, data collection. And although this can be time-consuming, it can be extremely beneficial on figuring out what the reasons are, um, especially if your child is really having a difficult time and you haven't figured out what that reason is. As far as autism goes, and quite a few other um, diagnoses as well, usually the expressive language and receptive language is challenging for them. So uh, expressing themselves can be difficult, understanding what's being told to them. Um, some kids are nonverbal, they don't give eye contact, they have very little facial expressions themselves, and or they don't understand the facial, the facial expressions that are being shown to them. Although I bet each parent that's listening knows their child best and knows their signs of communication, right? Um, some may speak like they're little adults. You know, they sound like these grown adults with a very high vocabulary, but they often get stuck on topics of interest um, and they need to give you every single detail. So that doesn't always work out, especially in the social aspect with their peers. Some will struggle to put words together or like to string words together um, just to have a good flowing conversation. Um, they might not understand other people's body language, like I mentioned before, but also they have difficulty catching sarcasm. Gracie's actually really good at that, and I don't know if it's because my dad is always sarcastic, so her grandpa, <laughs> she picks up on his joking and his sarcasm all the time. So I don't know if it's just practice or what, but... That can, that's usually a challenge for our kids. Often, our kids will take things very literal. Um, I remember in my early days of learning about autism or not, you know, not knowing too, too much at the time, um, or just kind of stuck in my old ways, I was working with a student and he was very, very fidgety and I made a comment like, oh, you've got ants in your pants. And he's like, what? No, I don't. <laughs> um, really took that literal and made him very uncomfortable, obviously, because if I was saying that he had ants in his pants, that would be very disturbing. But anyways, <laughs> fortunately, he got over that very quickly. Um, and then we started talking about some of those figures of speech that people will say. 
tone of voice, that's a big one for Gracie. Um, and that can throw our kids off. So I know specifically for Gracie, if it's very loud, firm, or they have a strong cultural um, way of speaking or a strong accent, that can be very challenging for our kids too. Uh, they may only hear like the first word or the first and last word or, you know, just pick out bits and pieces here and there. And often too, um, there's repetitive language that happens. And I mentioned that in the past too. Uh, it's called echolalia. And this actually isn't a bad thing. So if your child is repeating things that you say, that's the beginning of speech. So th that's good. Um, so for an example, I might say, do you want a glass of milk? And then Gracie would say, do you want a glass of milk? So she's asking that question. So keep in mind, if your child comes up to you and asks you a question, do you want a cookie? They might actually be saying, I want a cookie. So then we're just having to model that for them. There can also be like a delayed echolalia where they repeat something that they've heard earlier. And this is another big one um, that Gracie would do, especially in those like preteen, teen years. Um, she would learn so much from TV. And we actually, Gracie watched a lot of like Treehouse TV, the real young shows, um, even to this day she watches those. Um, and she, I would say just in the past couple of years, she's 19 now, going to be 20. There's, um, she, she picks up what she sees, she remembers what she's heard, and she can express that in the right context in a conversation with something, even when she doesn't understand what it is that she's saying. It's actually pretty cool. Um, sometimes they might repeat words or sentences that have absolutely nothing to do with the topic being discussed. And sometimes that can come across rude to other people, like, oh, it's, you know, Gracie time, you just want to talk about your stuff. But often she's just trying to engage in the conversation. And engaging in conversation that is, number one, not of interest to her, or she doesn't understand what's being said can be really challenging. But in order to try and fit in, um, she might just out of the blue say something that makes absolutely no sense to anybody else, just trying to make that conversation. And often our kids will repeat any sort of dialogue that they hear from a cartoon or um, a TV show. They might speak in a high-pitched voice or a robotic or monotone kind of tone. Um, they might sing while they speak. Again, so many different ways to communicate. If someone has been taught a conversation, um, like a conversation starter, how to begin, that's something fairly common too that um, I know we'll do in schools or, uh, you know, when we're trying to teach people how to engage with, like when they're starting a new job or when they're at school, how to engage with their peers. So we give them these things called sentence um, conversation starters. So it might be the beginning of, hi, how are you? I'm Gracie. What's your name? Uh, and I did come across, I can't remember if it was a video on a docu documentary that I had watched, something I had seen where there was a, actually, it might have actually been a person at our local grocery store, but, um, and I just happened to notice it. So the person would say the exact same thing to each customer that was in line. So the cashier would say, hi, I'm Gracie, would you like a coupon to go with that today? It was identical for every single person, and that was something that just helped them have a job and be comfortable in that job. Now, some kids may actually, well, and adults too, may be able to express themselves and use very clear vocabulary 
copying from something that they've heard on TV or at school or, you know, using the vocabulary in the proper context and, again, not having any idea what it means or maybe they do. Again, every person is unique and everybody has their own way of communicating and understanding and the whole bit. So when I give all these examples, it doesn't mean that one person will struggle with all of these. It just means these are some very common things that different people have struggled with along the way. Gracie is really, really good at masking. And that's another, I could do another podcast on masking in its own, I think. Um, and that's where it's literally envisioning putting a mask on you and being somebody else, being who you think others want you to be. Um, and she can camouflage her, I don't know, I'm doing air quotes here, her autistic traits um, very, very well if needed. So, and it wasn't always easy for her. Um, and, you know, I've mentioned before too that I don't want her to have to um, suppress those things. If she's stimming, that's okay. Uh, but we do try to teach her to, for example, when you have an interview, a job interview, you should sit still, at least give eye contact to the person at the very beginning so they know that you're talking to them, and then you can look away. Um, and even expressing that to the people that you're talking to is totally fine too. We've always encouraged her to be proud of who she is and, um, you know, just because she does things a little bit different than what a lot of people in society do, that's okay. It's what makes us all unique and individual and that's important. But with the masking, going back to that and, you know, putting on this persona that she thinks other people want her to be like, it made it very challenging actually for us to advocate on her behalf, especially at school, because she could come across as um, really capable of certain things, especially with her vocabulary, because she could express herself better than understanding what's going on. Um, people expected more from her. They expected her to understand what they were saying because she could use all the vocabulary that they were using in those classes. So that did make it tough, but it's just important to make sure that we express all that and have meetings with the school staff um, to let them know what's really happening. So some different types of communication. Um, number one is body language, but 80 to 90% of our communication is body language. Uh, but remember, some of our kids might not recognize this, right? Or be able to express any body language or facial expressions themselves. So um, I say that, but it can be hard for them. Sign language is another one. Uh, I took sign language communication as my very first um, diploma way back when, and I had some amazing um, profs who were deaf and sign language. The one thing that we they really stressed is that sign language doesn't delay speech but it does the opposite. It helps them excel in their speech. And my kids, I taught all of them sign language when they were infants, and I think at least by six months, um, they were able to sign milk and more and want or all done. And that was just really, really helpful. Then there's the echolalia that I mentioned before, which is a good thing. That's beginning. They're getting some words out, so that's great. And they're learning from you. Um, but then obviously there's speech, right? So one or two words are just as good as full sentences. Often our kids, I mean, you know, if your child comes up to you and says juice, you know that they want some juice, right? So I would start off with, um, you know, using the language that is easy for them to understand. So 
want juice is probably what I would add to that, right? Uh, it's important to go to your speech pathologist and get information from a professional. I am not a professional. I am just a mother who had brought my child to different therapists and whatnot and learned along the way. Um, so just to put that in there, um, this isn't professional uh, experience or help that I'm offering. <laughs> so make sure that you go to your own speech pathologist. But that's worked for us, right? So like I said, if Gracie was only saying one word at the time, then we would model with two words. So if she said juice, we would say want juice. And then eventually she got to want juice. And then I would say, I want juice. And then she would repeat it. So gestures and sounds are also another way for communicating, right? Your child or adult might take you by the hand and drag you to where they want you to be so that, you know, if they want something out of the fridge, they'll take your hand and grab you to the fridge. If they want something out of the cupboard, if they want crackers, they might take you by the hand and pull you to the cupboard. They might just have the box of crackers and be vocalizing. Um, so that's another way of communicating. And then there are also pictures and visuals, and this can be a real big help. And I know that there's software programs out there that are extremely costly um, and helpful, but you don't actually need those. I mean, Google Images has about every single picture you can imagine, especially when it comes to food or toys, items that you can get out at... Um, you know, at any store, you just go to Google Images, type in the brand name and the item and the picture of exactly what you have at home will be there, which is actually probably more beneficial than the cartoon faces and stuff, um, at least at the very beginning. So by all means, use the Google Photos as often as you can. We labeled everything around the house. Like I even had a picture of a TV on the TV um, showing that with the, with the word TV on it. Um, we had a list of items, pictures that were on the outside of our fridge, taped to the outside of our fridge, so that Gracie could point to what it was that she wanted inside the fridge when she wasn't able to express that. And eventually we got to the point where she could take it off the fridge and then come to me and give it to me. So if, it, if she wanted grapes, she would grab the picture of grapes off the fridge and then she would walk to me and give it to me. And that also includes the picture exchange communication system, PECS, it goes by. Again, that's something that your speech pathologist can share with you and talk to you about, but basically you do sit down and you work with the speech pathologist, your child, and, and you. Typically your child's sitting at a table, the speech pathologist will be in front or somebody might be sitting in front of them with the items that we know that they like. So for Gracie, we did use snacks. She loved uh, fishy crackers, chips, whatever it may be. So um, I would stand behind her and gently guide her I would just kind of push her elbow to guide her hand to the picture that had the cracker on it and guide it towards the person sitting in front of her and the person in front of her would give her the cracker. And that was to teach her that mode of communication, right? You give me this, I give you that. Um, now in saying that too, there's something called, I don't actually, I don't know what it's called. It's Nancy Kaufman is the one who created the program. I've just called them Kaufman cards. Um, again, this is something to talk to your speech pathologist about, but the Kaufman cards, it, it was more, again, in your natural environment. So if Gracie wanted an apple, the Kaufman um, card system, it's all about teaching them the vowels and consonants and putting them together. So it really helps with forming those words, but it also helped Gracie just learn to communicate her needs to us. So if she wanted an apple, you would start off, I think it was ah, ah was the first sound. 
and then apa was the second version, and then you work your way up to actually saying all the um, vowels and consonants that are in the word. But um, we just taught Gracie, you say a sound, and it didn't need to sound like ah. We would model it, we would get the apple, hold it in front of her and say ah, and then she would say ah, and we would give her the apple. So she, she knew that if she vocalized something, she got the apple. And it didn't always sound like ah, but we gave it to her right away. And that really, really helped with her um, at least trying to communicate something vocally to us. So I'll leave the link for um, Nancy Kaufman's website. She does have a video on there that explains what the Kaufman cards are all about. They're not cheap, and again, this is something that should be taught um, through your speech pathologist. So if the school, I, I've talked to um, speech pathologists at the school as well, because I know not everybody has benefits um, or can afford to do the speech therapy, um, but you can definitely ask the speech, the speech pathologist at the school because they may be familiar with it. I know I've worked with some that have, so there's also um, some devices, like some high-tech uh, devices that one was called the Toby. Um, it's um, it almost looks like a little. It's thicker than a tablet. It almost looks like a little flat screen TV, um, and you can use it by touching the pictures on the screen, and it uh, reads it back. Or it also has eye gaze. So if your child um, doesn't have the motor skills to give you any like any pictures or to push a a screen um, it also works with eye gaze as well but you can also get apps on your iPad I know there was Proloquo and I'm maybe what I'll do is list a bunch of apps on the um, blog page as well but there are a lot of different apps for communication there and um, again if you talk to the speech pathologist uh, you may be able to get I know there are some programs where if you get like a prescription from a speech pathologist, then it can be covered, but that's a whole other thing too. Um, Holland Blurview is a great place for the high-tech um, devices and whatnot and getting information for that. So I will put as many links as I can that provides all the information that I'm talking about today on our um, the blog website, the Buzzsprout one. There's also switches that you can get that attach to your computer and there's different games too or there's little boxes that you can, you know, have different words and whatnot in it and it just kind of scans and when it gets to the picture that your child wants, they just hit the switch button. And really, lastly, when it comes to um, communication, screaming, crying, throwing things, running away to get what they want, there's so much when it comes to communication. So I would suggest starting, if, if this is an area that you struggle with, I would suggest starting small. With sign language, um, you can, again, I'll put some links in there, but there are some online links that you can go to with ASL, American Sign Language Communication um, videos and whatnot that you can just type in the word that you want and learn how to do it. But those basic ones like all done, more, milk, eat, uh, those were lifesavers actually for us, especially the all done one. Uh, Gracie used to just toss her food and her dishes across the floor uh, when she was done. So we would sit right, right beside her when we knew that she was almost finished, put a hand on her, we would catch it before she could throw it and then show her the sign all done and even hand over hand do the gesture for her so she could say all done and I would remove the plate right away. Because if that's what she wanted, she doesn't want the plate in front of her anymore. She's trying to tell me she's done. If I get rid of that, then she knows that I'm understanding her, right? 
If they have a special toy, like a car or a doll or something, those are the signs that you want to use. You want to find signs or words of things that they ask for on a regular basis and things that they will be so motivated to communicate to you for. And it is important to actually give them the things that they want at the very beginning, even if they want a cookie before dinner. And that can cause a whole other thing, so you be your own judge of character there. But it's really important to give them as much as they ask for that you possibly can when you're initially teaching the type of communication that you're teaching. Because, But also not giving it to them unless they attempt to make that vocalization or push that button or use their eyes to choose um, something on the device, right? It's really important that we are consistent and we hold our ground in that area where, you know, they have to at least try. They don't get it for screaming, but they'll get what they want when they do it in a calmer way. Always start by modeling it as well. You can do social stories, um, but modeling is such a big thing. Like I said, our kids copy things from what they see in cartoons and on TV shows and it's no different than watching us and their siblings, right? Model, model, model. And then you can also do hand over hand like if they don't mind the touch because some of our kids don't like touch. And the same goes for um, verbal expressions too. Model it for them in shorter, you know, one or two words, whatever is easiest for them. Always modeling that. So I don't know if I touched on everything <laughs> because like I said there's so many creative things that we can do to help our kids with communication um, so I will probably go back and listen to this and see if uh, if I missed anything but and if that's the case then I'll do another episode on communication that might have some more tips and tricks but um, I'll leave you with that for today so this doesn't get much longer I know we're short on time and I really appreciate that you take the time to listen um, to us because I know that your time is precious and we have very little of it. <laughs> so just remember you're amazing. You're doing great. Um, keep doing what you're doing. Ask for help if you need it. Uh, you know, we are not superheroes. We, as parents, it's it can be really, really hard. Really hard, especially if you don't know why somebody is struggling so much and especially when it's someone we love right we hate watching them we hate seeing them that way and it's just exhausting all around so one thing to remember you're not alone thanks for listening <laughs>